The Miami Dolphins 2023 offseason blueprint here on Locked on Dolphins continues with a look at a seven-round mock draft of what players I would pick for the Dolphins after my proposed free agency cycle, which we covered earlier this week. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. And we are continuing our 2023 Miami Dolphins offseason blueprint here today on the show. This entire week is dedicated to what's been a month of film study, preparation, research for me to put together my best effort to do an all-encompassing total package proposition for what this offseason should look like to get the Dolphins to a team that they need to take the next step. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, uh, longtime NFL draft Nick, and um, really enjoy this time of year. If you can't tell by the content uh, that we've been pumping out this week and in, in the buildup to the start of free agency, which is next week, it's right around the corner, right? So uh, that's why the first two days of the, this past week for me have been really important to get out in front of some of the moves that we feel like the Dolphins are going to start making to get themselves in position for free agency when it starts next week. Now, our blueprint, we've already kind of surpassed this stretch uh, this is the 2023 Miami Dolphins offseason blueprint. As a quick recap, the Monday show, we went over uh, players that we would cut, players that we would try to trade, players that we would restructure their contracts, players that we'd sign uh, extensions to, and then looked at what players were left under contract and what caliber of players they were, because that really kind of set the expectations for the entirety of the rest of the offseason to find ways to complement those cornerstone players. Uh, as a quick recap from yesterday's show, we're bringing these players back. Nick Needham, River Craycraft, Duke Riley, Elijah Campbell, Thomas Morstead, Savan Ahmed, Trent Sherfield, and Raheem Mostert. I want to bring these players back from last year's team, get them under contract. All of these players had proposed one-year contracts. We covered all of that yesterday on the show. And then we did a free agency class of 10 players, four players that got multi-year deals, three in which you'd largely consider to be uh, cornerstone type players. Uh, and the other half of the class was um, one-year contracts, kind of additional complementary peripheral players. A lot of the defensive players having experience in the Vic Fangio tree between linebacker Drew Tranquil, safety John Johnson, pass rusher Malik Reed, and defensive back Shannon Sullivan. All of those players have played in the system we are expecting the Dolphins to implement in 2023. So that was a journey for adding players after trimming fat off the salary cap that saw the Dolphins go from negative $15 million in spending power to $55 million in spending power, and then after adding the players from yesterday, about $8.5 million at the Dolphins' disposal going into the draft. Um, and only a handful of these players are really going to count against the cap because in the offseason, it's only your top 51 players uh, that count against the salary cap. 
So today on the show, we're looking at the draft class that I was able to piece together in the aftermath of the NFL Combine. You know, as the Combine unfolded throughout the course of this week, wanted to kind of let the players declare who was going to be big testers and big winners because there is some moving and shaking at this. Uh, this draft process is fluid, so there were some players that I thought were candidates at 51 for the Dolphins that, quite frankly, probably just aren't going to be there. That's just the unfortunate reality of guys tested really well. They made themselves a lot of money, and they're going to get drafted higher, including a couple of favorites of mine. That was a really hard pill to swallow because uh, when the board was updated uh, for all of the outcomes of the combine, Julius Brents, the corner from Kansas State, he's gone. Sidney Brown, the safety of L- out of Illinois, he's gone. I mean, these are players that that you really would have loved to see fall into the Dolphins' lap with that first pick. Um, but again, the whole thought process, and we went over this yesterday on the show, with uh, the free agency cycle was we wanted to avoid painting yourself in a corner and feeling like you needed anything. So when I think about the additions in free agency, that have been proposed. You got two offensive linemen, so you largely feel like between your pro- projected starting five, Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson, you've got seven players as the nucleus of the unit that you feel pretty good about. You got Foster Moreau, Hunter Long, and Tanner Connor at tight end. That's probably a group where you need a player. And th- this was the important thing for me to do before I started the mock draft was, I know what the Dolphins' needs are based on the start like where we're at in real time right now. But after doing players coming back and doing a free agency class, those needs change. So I think about the tight end room and and you feel good that you got Foster Moreau and replaced Durham Smythe for Foster Moreau uh, for roughly the same amount of salary cap hit this year, minus the dead money that you're still going to owe Durham Smythe if, if you waive him, which was a part of my blueprint from Monday. But you probably need an, another body there to feel good just because Hunter Long hasn't taken the next step. If the team's super optimistic, maybe they wouldn't, and they, they'd go with a low-end player, and that would be it. I think if Hunter was was going to uh, really claim a big role, last year was a great opportunity for it to happen, and it did not. Um, so I do view tight end as a player, as a position group where you probably would like to get another body, but you're not desperate for a body. Running back, you brought back Mostert, Savan Ahmed, and then you signed Jarek McKinnon in free agency. Now, you'd probably like a little bit more of a physical runner, but you, you at least feel like, okay, we've got the kind of runners that are going to fit this system and how we want to run the ball. You'd like to add another body, but you're not desperate to add another body. I feel good about the offensive line. You know, an eighth player, utility player, well, you got Robert Jones as a utility player, so you're probably going to be in good shape there. On the defensive side of the ball, um, Andrew Van Ginkle left in free agency. Uh, I, I didn't piece it together an offer. Um, I think Malik Reed's a nice compliment there. You, you'd maybe like to get a player who can play kind of base end to go along with Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb and Cameron Good and and Malik Reed, maybe an extra body there if it makes sense with from a value perspective at any point in the draft. Uh, you did sign Colin Saunders, so you got an extra body as a big body guy to play in yay gaps. Uh, linebacker, you signed a potential starter in Drew Tranquil. 
So you have Jerome Baker. You're, you're going to expect a lot of two linebacker defensive sets for the Dolphins defensively with a, probably a fifth defensive back a lot of the time. And that fifth defensive back, you brought in John Johnson, brought back Nick Needham, and you signed Shannon Sullivan. You're not desperate anywhere. It's a great place to be. So I ran the simulation, and I picked some players. And uh, I am very ecstatic about the class that we put together. And we're going to discuss who those players were, how they fit the pieces of the puzzle, after talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel. It's midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet does not hit. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads, point scores, and everything in between. FanDuel even lets you bet, combine your bets so there's a chance of bigger payouts with same-game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, I'm going to show you guys the draft class. Remember, extra fifth-round pick for Manuel Agba, traded him to Chicago in a hypothetical because they have the salary cap to bring him in, and the edge group is awful in free agency. And Cedric Wilson, I traded an additional seventh-round pick for uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Here's the draft class. Pick 51, the Dolphins' first scheduled pick as things currently stand. Tight end Darnell Washington, University of Georgia. We're going to talk about why he was there in just a second. Pick number 77, safety Brandon Hill, Pittsburgh Panthers. Pick number 84, running back Israel Abanacanda, Pittsburgh Panthers. Pick 150, this was the pick courtesy of Emmanuel Agba. Linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. from the Cincinnati Bearcats. Pick 178, wide receiver slash kick returner. That's the important note here. The kick returner component of this is a big motivating factor on this player. Darius Davis, TCU Horn Frogs. Pick 270, interior defensive lineman PJ Mustafer, Penn State. And pick 246, edge Lonnie Phelps. Kansas Jayhawks. So this group, um, I really loved how the whole roster ended up coming together with this. Darnell Washington being the pick at 51 is obviously the big needle mover. He is freakishly big, 6'7", 260 pounds, uh, blocks like an offensive lineman. Probably the best blocking tight end in this class. The question is whether or not the athletic profile and the potential as a pass catcher is enough to push him into the top 50. But here's the deal. You got Luke Musgrave. You've got Michael Mayer. You've got Dalton Kincaid. Darnell Washington has a firm claim to be better than any of those players, but he also lives in a world in which he could be behind all of them. All three of the other ones have a more dynamic receiving skill set. For the Dolphins, personally, I don't give a rip what your receiving potential is 
when I'm going to throw 260 balls to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I need a guy who can play with his hand in the dirt. And then obviously, so now you have Foster Moreau and, and Darnell Washington as your one-two punch at tight end. You don't think that you can't go with a, a two-man solid surface on one side of the formation and put the speed of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the other side and do some damage if you got Darnell Washington in line and Foster Moreau in an H-back alignment off his outside hip? You want to run the ball to that side or if you want to go split flow inside zone, or if you want to RPO off of that, have Foster Moreau leak into the flat, Tua Tagovailoa is doing the, the mesh point, and you're going to run the, the wheel and the glance and the flat with Tyreek Hill. And like you, you're really going to have to command an extra hat on the solid side of the formation now, where when the Dolphins went with a, an off tight end and set themselves up to run wide zone or, or split flow zone slash that RPO with the slant wheel flat spacing. You know, if, you, if you can't win the point of attack, they can play even numbers on the run front side and live with it because they don't trust you to, they don't believe that you can dictate terms up front. You put Darnell Washington and Foster Moreau over there, you got a really strong chance to, to actually run the ball and create a lot of movement. Oh, by the way, your right tackles an improved player as well in Trey Pipkins. I think the waterfall of effects that that could bring to the Dolphins would be monumental. So Darnell Washington, he was there in this mock draft. I grabbed him. I did not think very long about it. The other two players that I would have considered, Julius Brentz and Cindy Brown, the corner out of Kansas State and the, and the safety out of Illinois were off the board. Now, Brandon Hill at 77, he had a really good combine. He tested in the 4-4s and the 40-yard dash. He's a really instinctual player. He lives in the kind of world that the Dolphins want to play defensively, if we're being honest. Uh, middle of the field open coverage, zone, match principles, uh, trust your keys. You wish he had a little bit more ball production. This is going to be your fourth safety in 2023. Because you have Brandon Jones in a contract year, you have John Johnson, and you have Javon Holland. But the interchangeability that can come with this, and then obviously you, you are going to have to start making some tough decisions on some players here soon before long. And being ahead of some of those by drafting players and giving them a chance to assimilate is something the Dolphins did a little bit of last year with Eric Azucama and with Channing Tindall. And I'm, I'm willing to live in a world based on the free agency group that I signed that Brandon Hill might not be a super impactful player for the Dolphins in year one. I think he can get on the field. But he's a long-term play just as much as he is anything else. Because you have those three safeties, but I don't think we, we want to live in a world where we entertain not extending Javon Holland. But if you look at the players who are expiring contracts for the Dolphins in 2024, as things currently stand and are scheduled, you got all the players that you brought back from last year's team on one-year deals for 2023. You have Zach Sealer. You have Robert Hunt. You have Brandon Jones. You need a, a backup quarterback situation again. You're going to entertain potentially the idea of moving on from Jerome Baker. I just don't know that Brandon Jones is a player who is going to get the priority 
And if he plays his way into being the player that gets the priority over somebody who takes a step back, whether that's Sealer or Robert Hunt or whoever else, okay. But I just want to be prepared. I want to be prepared to, to transition some players and be comfortable with who is stepping into the roles of the players that have to vacate because you have to make some difficult decisions. And I'd like to be abundantly clear. I'd love to have Brandon Jones on this roster long-term, but the dollars have to make sense. Same concept with Israel Banacanda. Uh, he is a, a pretty dense runner. He's super explosive. Uh, getting him a pick 84, uh, I think he probably starts the year quiet behind experienced players like Jarek McKinnon and Raheem Mostert. But as the season wears on, I think he could be the fresh set of legs that really give you an extra set of bounce as a ball carrier. I, this is a really exciting player. I, and I think these, these top three players can be uh, very prominent contributors to your team. And, and I think the other thing to acknowledge with, with the Brandon Hill pick at 77, and if you haven't checked him out, I, I definitely recommend you check out his tape. Because we don't know what Brandon Jones' status is going to be for the start of the season either. And I'll tell you one thing we're not going to have a question about is depth in the defensive backfield. I don't want to live in that world again. And granted, you know, the Dolphins got tagged with a bunch of injuries that were far beyond anybody's comprehension. And now you got Xavier Howard, Cater Kohu, Chanin Sullivan, Nick Needham. We brought back Trill Williams. Noe Benogany's under contract. You know, he's not a player who is, was actively dressed for games and stretches last year, and I get that. But then you have Javon Holland, John Johnson, Brandon Jones, Brandon Hill. Like, if this group gets tagged with injuries, then we'll just throw in the white hat and we'll, we'll tip the hat to the football gods and say, okay, congrats, guys. You got us two years in a row. But I feel really good about that defensive backfield being one that has the bodies and the versatility to play inside or outside and zone match and have ball skills and instinctual football players. It's a really nice match. Now, the day three guys are interesting. Uh, the day three guys have kind of this fun blend of opportunities uh, to, to kind of have niches within the roster. Think about Ivan Pace, the linebacker. This, this is your Elan and Roberts thumper linebacker replacement type. Dude hits like a ton of bricks. Darius Davis. We need somebody to step up from a kick return standpoint. Uh, Davis ran in the four threes. I think he ran back three kicks for touchdowns last season for TCU. He, he was very much featured and prominent as a return player for them. Um, I think he's got a chance to, to be the sixth wide receiver and, and push Braylon Sanders off the 53-man roster, and, and Sanders right now is kind of penciled in that. When you, you think about what the Dolphins have elsewhere across the wide receiver spot, and you've got Ty Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Trent Sherfield, Ezukama, Craycraft, that's five. Can Darius Davis be your six? And they carried six at stretches last year and be the guy who returns kicks? I don't see any reason why not. Um, I think the versatility of the offensive line helps uh, the the sales pitch to carry more skill players, especially with the speed and and the, what the speed of the Dolphins' offense does to opposing teams. And then the last two names, uh, one of these guys is an absolute special teams demon, and that's Lonnie Phelps. Uh, Lonnie Phelps would compete with Cameron Good 
for snaps uh, as as your your depth edge guy. I, I think he's pretty raw from that perspective. But you put this dude's kickoff coverage tape out there, and he's the most entertaining kickoff team player you have ever watched in your entire life. Just a one-man wrecking crew. Reckless abandon, flying down, blowing up blocks, blowing up ball carriers. It's the kind of energy I think we need on special teams. If we're going to reignite this special teams unit under Danny Crossman, I think you need some fresh blood uh, in there. You obviously need the top of the roster to stay healthy so that your special teams guys aren't suddenly taking defensive snaps. But uh, Lonnie Phelps, I think, is a home run fit for that specific purpose. And there's some developmental upside there for him uh, to, to grow as an edge player. And then Mustafa is the, the fifth interior defensive lineman. Davis, Saunders, and Mustafa, I, I don't think any of those guys, Saunders probably gives you the best penetration. Uh, I think Mustafa is probably a little bit more of a true Raekwon Davis type player. I think he's a developmental type. I think pad level is something that he struggled with throughout stretches at Penn State. Uh, but putting him in a position to grow in this system and doing it with a seventh round pick in the same way that it, we talked about getting out in front of some departures. Raquan Davis is another expiring contract after the 2023 season. The Dolphins are going to have to make some hard decisions on guys. And if Raquan Davis is a casualty for keeping higher impact players elsewhere on the team, Having a guy you could coach for a system and, and know if you can trust him or not and has the uncoachables for his size and stature is a good way to go about it. And you'd probably draft somebody again next year or sign a depth player again next year so that all your eggs aren't in that basket unless that guy comes in and blows you out of the water as a rookie. And maybe he does. There's only one way to find out. So it's a nice blend. This rookie class is a nice blend of... Uh, day one impact on day two for your day two players and some long-term plays uh, for your salary cap or, or for your roster once you get into 2024 and beyond. So this seven-man draft class, tight end Darnell Washington, his, his cap hit at 51 would be $1.3 million. He goes into the top 51. Safety, Brandon Hill, $1.03 million. He also goes into the top 51. Uh, Israel Banacanda at pick 84, that's $1.007 million. He goes into your top 51 as well. And remember, as these guys get added on, the players who are getting bumped off, they have probably an $800,000, $900,000 cap hit. So you're only adding a few hundred thousand dollars for each one of these additions at this point in the game. And remember, post-June 1st, you also get the extra Byron Jones relief as well. But there's more plans for that money, which we'll talk about uh, tomorrow on the show when we talk about the Dolphins' uh, year-over-year cap health. Ivan Pace, uh, about $840,000. And then Darius Davis, PJ Mustafer, and Lonnie Phelps are all under $800,000 in cap hit. They would not count against the top 51 uh, cap hit. So your salary, or your, your salary cap would transition from $8.438 million in cap space before the draft, after all of the moves in free agency, which have been proposed this week on the show, to $7.727 million. So you'd lose less than, I'm going to do the math, geez. You'd lose that, less than $800,000. How's that? That might be 
Yeah, you'd lose less than $800,000 against the cap. So still at a point where you have a reasonable amount of money. If any player were to come available as a free agent, that's probably not a quarterback. Um, you could make a maneuver and sign that player for a peace of mind perspective and then know, and this is the big thing for tomorrow when we talk about him on the show, if you don't use cap, you can roll it over into the next year. And from a health, a cap health perspective, that's going to be very important for the Dolphins. So that's your rookie draft class. I'll go through it one more time here on the Miami Dolphins 2023 offseason blueprint. Darnell Washington, 51. Safety Brandon Hill, 77. Israel Abanacan, a running back, 84. Linebacker Ivan Pace Jr., pick 150. Kick returner Darius Davis, 178. Defensive tackle PJ Mustafer, 240. And edge rusher slash special teams kick coverage player Lonnie Phelps at 246. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to go over starting lineup forecast, 53-man forecast, and we're also going to talk about the uh, salary cap health for the Dolphins over the next three years based on the moves that we have made through the first three days of the Miami Dolphins 2023 offseason blueprint. So, I mean, we're, we're getting a chance to not just say, hey, look, I got us a roster that's cap compliant and we're good to go. Well, no, what, what's the ramifications of those in years to come? That's the biggest thing that I want to drive home tomorrow on the show, in addition to going over what the uh, roster assessment as things currently stand of this roster would look like as far as valuations of the players roster cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, and take a look at what I have created in this hypothetical scenario here this week on Lock on Dolphins. So make sure you hit subscribe, click the bell, get the notifications when we go live on YouTube. If you're joining on YouTube, if you're listening on your favorite podcast medium, I appreciate you guys checking out the show. Fins up, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will talk with you all again tomorrow.